0: All right well, we're gonna get started, get rolling. Uh, let me uh open this up with a word of prayer and then we'll we'll get into what we have for today. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we can be together this morning. We thank you for um, thank you the women being able to go on their retreat this weekend for the fun that they had and uh, growing close to, closer to one another and hearing your word talk. We thank you for that. We Pray for us this morning as we sit beneath your word and as we discuss and um, seek to understand your word and have it applied to our our lives, we pray that you would be guiding us uh, by your spirit. in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, so this morning, we're continuing our, our little series. Uh, we talked about the uh, power of Babel the first time, and talked about how we're made for relationships, but those relationships are fractured and broken. Um, but God moves to redeem us um, in, in our relationships. We've talked about, and last week we talked about John chapter 17. And we talked about how we're made for friendship. Um, we need friends. Uh, and we really, what we basically saw there was that the way we can move towards one another in our relationships and where we find power to move towards one another is through the gospel, through the good news, that God loves us even as He loves Jesus. And so we're continuing. now. I told you the last two weeks we were, I was going to be doing more of my me talking, but now I want to try to get us to start talking as a group a little bit more. Um, so with that in mind, let me... I, open with this question. What is it that comes to your mind when I say the word authenticity? Everybody hear that? Authenticity? What do y'all think? Genuine. Okay. Genuine? What else? Nothing false. What? Truthful, nothing false. Truthful, nothing false. Good. Official. What? Official. Official. Okay. Okay. Somebody else says something I think. Unfamed. Unfamed, okay. Super talkative this morning, I can tell. Uh, what about the word uh, transparent? What do you think of when when I say that word?
1: Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I am the book of secrets. I thought it what? <laughs> I
2: thought of mama because that was one of the big things that he was supposed to be transparent, you know. Okay. With everything. Alright. Uh, ridiculous.
0: Uh, something else. Keep, keep talking that out. Not, Not
3: hiding
2: anything.
0: Not hiding anything? Good. Visible. Visible? Yeah. Vulnerable? Okay, vulnerable? Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about vulnerability. What, what do we mean by vulnerability?
2: Be transparent and you are
0: basically allowing others to see stuff that you might be ashamed of or that you prefer perhaps to hide. Okay. Good. What else? Vulnerable. What does that make you think of? You're really
2: Broken. That's good. Mm-hmm.
0: Risk. Risk, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, let me ask this question then. Who in here feels like they have experienced real authenticity in their relationships? The Our, relationships, relationships. Uh-huh. Our relationships are just some relationships. Huh? Our relationships are just some. No, it if you've had any relationships that there's been authenticity talk
2: about
0: times. okay, at times yeah okay um, so what characterizes those relationships what was that like for you to have those maybe it was with a spouse or a friend or a parent I don't know um, trust I'm not asking for details huh trust trust yeah Pain- painful okay painful that's two different sides of that thing for sure safe
4: yeah. hmm
0: Safe, yeah, you know. that's good. I think kind of what we were talking about with liability
4: and transparency is like those things are kind of important. You know, have that kind of true experience and know how you're really living, who you really
0: are, mm-hmm. and you can never develop that trust.
2: hmm
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's great. Um, why do why does off, um. Being in an authentic relationship makes us feel safe. I mean, you don't have to answer that. Anybody can answer that. Like, if you, you're you not worried that something's going to come out that you haven't revealed yet, and then, then the whole thing's going to fall apart and the person will
3: mm-hmm. turn their back on you and not like you or something. Mm-hmm. If you've already opened everything up, there's no worries there. Right. I take it a step farther to say that it's unconditional on both sides and so even if something comes up that hasn't come up. it's not a deal breaker mm-hmm.
0: that's, yeah, that's really good. that's good um, you know when I, when I said who's been in authentic relationships were like, uh, and then there was like in some relationships maybe not all the time, maybe sometimes so we'll ask kind of the flip side of that what makes being authentic in our relationships or having authentic relationships hard. Sin. Sin. Okay. Flesh that out for me a little bit. What, why is it that sin makes it harder, or in what, what way? Sin always has secrets. Usually, it comes down to pride. Pride. Yeah. A lot of pride? Selfishness. Okay. Selfishness. What else? This side of the room it's is fear. winning right now. Uh, <laughs> Somebody said something? Fear. Fear? Yeah, okay, it's
1: fear of. Yeah, it's, it's fear of being hurt, fear of being judged, fear of having something taken away from you. Uh, just that, you know, it's hard, you know, if you're talking about yourself being authentic, it's hard for you, me, I do not speak for anyone else. So it's hard for me to be authentic many times because I don't want people to know the things that I don't think they're going to like about me. Hmm. Right? Yeah. So, that, that, that creates a fear, which nervous. Yeah. That make her, honest,
0: or, pulling yeah. us close. That's great. I mean, that, I mean, that's heading right into this morning's, when we're going to look at Genesis chapter three, you know, Adam says, I, you know, I was afraid, um, because I was naked, so I hid Right? I, I covered up and want to be seen or whatever. What else? Why do you, well, maybe I should ask this. Maybe you don't want relationships of authenticity. So do you want, do we want relationships of authenticity? Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. Yeah. There's so much risk involved.
2: That's the no part. But the right. yes part, because we want someone to know us as we truly are and still love
0: us. Mm. Relationships at work, you don't launch into a transparent, vulnerable relationship right away. <laughs> right. right, yeah, right. I mean, you could even think about it like in all our different relationships, we have relationships with people at work, we have maybe friendships that have lasted for decades, or you know, there's a spouse. There, All our relationships are, you know, we might think of them being a Different levels sometimes, and sometimes when you first meet somebody at a party or something, you're not you're not going to say, well, "Let me tell you about my divorce. um or "Let me let you into my deepest darkest secrets." And you can probably talk about the weather and what you do. You know, keep it at the surface. Um, but that's a that's a um, you know thinking about communication as it relates to this because I remember the first morning we started talking about this and we were saying, you know, what are some things that you think of when you think about relationships? And somebody said communication. Um, what is it? I, I don't mean for this um, to be a, um, an abstract kind of way to put this, but, you know, there's verbal and there's nonverbal communication all the time, you know, nonverbal and, and, and verbal what we're actually communicating with our words. But what what is... What's the function of our words? What is the purpose of our communicating and using words? Express ideas and emotions, feelings. Okay, express things, whether they be ideas, emotions, or feelings. Convey information. Okay, convey information. Absolutely. Influence. Influence. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Persuade. Persuade, okay. Hurt. Okay, yeah, sure. It can be used to hurt. In general, words are used to either change something or progress it. Okay. Just in general sense. So. Okay. Good. Kazing me is to heal. Sure. No. Sure words huh functions yeah that's true that's true um, yeah it, it can be used in a lot of different ways I, I would say the main purpose of our words is to reveal something um, or I, I think charity said convey something Frank said express something um, and what we convey and and express and reveal, can hurt somebody, it can heal somebody or whatever. But but that's what words do, that words really reveal. They, they say this is what it is. And when we're speaking about ourselves and using words to describe ourselves to someone else, for example, we're revealing who we really are. Um, we're letting people in, and letting people see us if we're using our words honestly, right? Um, now, I, who knows? Well, Open your Bibles to John, um, John chapter 1. Um, let's see. Um, let's read verses 1 through 14. Who, any volunteers? Somebody to read verses
2: 1 through 14? Okay, Eric?
4: In the beginning of the Word. And the word was God. And the word in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light and all of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son,
0: who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, alright. So, gosh, there, there's obviously a ton in here. And, and really, I I think I'm only going to talk mainly about verse 1 and verse 14 specifically. But, um, you know, in the Greek... It, The word, the word for word, there in the first verse, in the beginning was the word. It's the word logos. Um, I'm sure several of you know that, Um, and it's a word that could be translated probably a number of different ways. It could mean word, or it could mean message, or speech, or something like that. Um, But you know, we're talking about what we were just talking about. You know, talking about desire to have authentic relationships, and how related to that somehow is transparency and vulnerability in our relationships, and how the purpose of words is to reveal. What I want us to see here is that when John begins his gospel and he's telling us about Jesus, he's saying right from the start that Jesus is God's speech. Um, This is his word to you, and he is He's saying God is revealing Himself to us. That He's pulling back the veil. Um, And, you know, in in our relationships, even as we were talking about, um, you know, different relationships that we have, in in some relationships, we let people further in than in other relationships. And a part of that is because we know that our words really do have this ability. Uh, They have this ability to reveal who we are. And so... When we're talking with one another, we're generally very careful with our words. Um, We're careful how we use them and how far we let people in. But here, John is really saying, Jesus is God's self-disclosure to you. Um, He is God's revelation to you. Um, He's pulling back the veil. And John is beginning his book by saying, saying to us, That God held absolutely nothing back from you um, and from the world when he gave his son. He came close and he said, this is what I'm like. Um, And so I want us to see in this as we go throughout this morning, I I want us to see the transparency of God in Jesus um, and how Jesus really became vulnerable for us um, in in his self-revelation. And how he he is the authentic person, right? Um, and so, and what and what I hope hope for where I hope for us to go with all of this is to see that it's in and through the good news that God has revealed Himself to us that we find freedom to reveal ourselves to one another and be vulnerable and transparent and authentic in our relationships. Um, all right, let, let, let's. Uh, Let's start talking about some of this stuff. Um, in verse fourteen, right, it says the Word became flesh. What what does that mean? Incarnation. Incarnation. Okay. Let's flesh that out. <laughs> got you. Um, uh, that. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Okay? So he's the, the Word of God. Okay. In Romans 4, he says He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. So he didn't come in a perfect unfallen body. He came in a body that was subject to illness and mm-hmm. disease and fatigue and all the things that we are. Yeah, yeah. Well, lots of stories in the Bible Read, you know, Jesus being tired going to sleep in boats and storms and you know being hungry and those kind of things uh, tells us that, yeah, he was subject to the miseries of this life. Um, what else? What do, what do you think about when you think about Jesus becoming flesh? Or maybe, we. I mean, go ahead and what does it mean to you that Jesus took on flesh and became flesh? God, God's love. Okay. Um, How
2: so? Well, I mean, because of did his work. Okay. I mean he had a purpose, kind of a purpose-driven life, <laughs> and uh, okay. and so if he over his his lifetime, he, um, what was that purpose and work that he had? Well, he was to communicate what okay. you know God here's here's God's revelation to mankind, mm-hmm. and then you know actually when he became the minister for three years, you know teaching the disciples, and then. The, the death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he kind of had to prove himself to the disciples because they didn't believe it at first. And then after, you know, then they finally believed. Okay. And uh, that, that <clears throat> was kind of the explosion that sent them out mm-hmm. and, and made them uh, extremely zealous for, you know, the
0: truth. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The realization that he really was raised from the uh, um what else what else he was relatable yeah okay relatable um how does his taking on flesh make him relatable to us yeah to experience the same stuff okay his yeah Temptations that we yeah, same temptations, right? Yeah, I have written down here, you know, the passage from Hebrews, we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So as a dad...
1: Huh? So as a dad, right? Uh-huh. I would give anything to take away the pain myself. Mm. Anything. Like, there's no price that is too high for me to want to take away his fibromyalgia or take away, you know, the physical ailments that he has, uh, even if it meant my own life, and I think that's what, you know, to me when they, you know talks about him, he actually had the ability to come down so that he could take away our pain, mm-hmm. so that he could relate to us in our own flesh and blood, and pain, and misery, and all the mess that it is and you know we don't we don't have it, but there's nothing I can do mm. I cannot do that mm-hmm. but he could mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's good he
0: became killable yeah he became killable yeah definitely definitely his vulnerability on display there right if the vul- vulnerability like you were saying before I think someone said you know it's it's risky because it risks rejection and being hurt or whatever. Um, so yeah, that, that's a very real possibility. Um, and so what we're talking about is Jesus becoming uh, flesh. All of these things that y'all are saying are great. The incarnation um, is, uh, is becoming relatable to us, experiencing the brokenness of this life. Um, and yeah, so he's relatable to us in the sense that yeah, you remember the children of Israel, right, when Moses was up on the mountain and they were growing impatient, right? And so they're like, let's make a golden calf. Um, and if you go back and read that story in Exodus, you know, it's not that they were making, they were trying to make um, a different God other than the one whom Moses was worshiping up on the mountain. They, they say in there this is your God who led you out of slavery in Egypt. There was this felt need. to be able to, We need to be able to see this God. We, we need to be able to, uh, he needs to be revealed to us so that we could, as it were, touch him and feel him. And yeah, Jesus was relatable when he took on flesh. We could hug him, we could kiss him. Uh, people could come up to him at a meal and wash his feet with their hair, with their tears, and so on and so forth. But obviously, it also led him to be killable, right? Um, He became that vulnerable. And so he knew loss, pain, rejection, betrayal. Uh, He knew what it was to be wounded by friends and by enemies. Um, He knew what it was to be misunderstood. I mean, all the time, he's like, how do you disciples not get it? I keep telling you these things over and over, right? Um, you're supposed to get it. He was misunderstood. He was a victim of injustice. Um, one of my favorite quotes that um, some of you probably heard me use before uh, John Stott has got this great book. Um, it's kind of a big, big book, but um, it's called The Cross of Christ. And in it, he, he writes this um, He writes, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. The only God I believe in is the one Nietzsche ridiculed as God on the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? And he goes on to say, I have entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha, his legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing around his mouth, the remote look on his face, detached from the agonies of the world. So that is kind of Buddhism. Uh, but each time, after a while, I have had to turn away, and in imagination, I have turned instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross—nails through hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty—plunged into God's forsaken darkness. And then he says, "That is the God for me. Why? Because He laid aside His immunity to pain." He entered our world of flesh and blood, tears and death, and suffered for us. Um, so here, here's the, you know, it's all, the million dollar question is always, how do you apply this? Um, you know, what does this mean to us that Jesus did this for us, that he became vulnerable in such a way for us? So help me flesh, I, I Okay, how is this going to change the way you approach this next week when you go to work tomorrow morning or when you're relating with your friends or your family or whatever? Right. How it should or how it will? <laughs> well, maybe hey, we should start with it how it should. Uh, we can start there. Rick, did you have something? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. see the great thing about discussion is it's not <coughs> all on me to apply this for you <laughs> I want you to wrestle with this
3: right. well, what I was going to say was there's there's the image of God within us which is the I think regenerated human, new mm-hmm. man and then there's the fallen man right. and for a Christian there's always that that contrast and I, I think with I can describe it. In my walk, I've always tried to. I, I don't. There's always that play, but but what does the image of God want me to do versus what does Rick want me to do? Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And there's that always. There's always a constant flux. and It's a conscious thing. I think about where I'd like to do something, and sometimes well, there's old, I heard Jay Vernon McGee give a deal years ago about only being talk to him. The radio. And he said that as a Christian, the Indian said, "There's like I got two dogs living in me. One's a good dog, one's a bad dog. And, and sometimes the good dog wins, sometimes the bad dog wins." And Vernon, he asked him, "Well, which one wins the most?" And the Indian a said, "Whichever one I feed the most." <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. That's true. Yeah. So uh, maybe how do you the, how do you take this and use this? I, I don't know if everybody heard this. What Rick was saying, but how do you take this and use it to feed that, that one dog, um, the new man? Um, because, yeah, in our experience, there is this deep struggle and battle. That's why Paul writes to the Romans, there are things that I want to do, but I don't do, things I don't want to do, and I wind up doing. There is that real struggle, but we, we are called to uh, live by the Spirit. And not by the flesh. Even though this, there's this bowel ring, so how do we feed living by faith with what we're talking about? It? Keep talking all <laughs> yeah. All right.
3: Uh, well, I became a Christian. I've been a very melancholy well colleague and uh, kind of a younger guy. It's tricky to be that way, but uh, a fellow that I met at church who really encouraged me, I, I finally went to him and told him, Man, he'd be kind of a mentor all the way and he says, oh, Rick, as you know before, and he described himself, and it, he was reading me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what happened? And his name was Rick, too. It's mm-hmm. First to And I said, well, what's the issue for you? And he said, I was do the New Testament? I came across that verse about that we should uh, encourage each other day while the day is yet all the day, lest our heart be hardened by and sin. And he said, I'm not a natural encourager. Mm-hmm. And so he said, that became, mine. Well, I don't do it all the time, but I know in my business, that I, for me, that's become kind of a mantra. I can fight my flesh if I try to encourage. Mm -hmm. Because it takes the focus off of the old man and puts it on somebody else, which I guess vicariously is to Yeah, yeah.
0: And interestingly, in that passage that you're referencing out of of Hebrews, it's talking about our our gathering together as a body, right? And to encourage one another as we see the day approaching. And I've often thought that one of our... Responsibilities as a congregation is to actually look around and notice who's there, and who's not there, and to be able to say, "Hey, I haven't seen you for two weeks. Um, this is really, really important." And why? And the reason it's important is because what we come together to do on Sunday mornings is really to feed um, feed this understanding that. This is what God has done for us and we're loved so that we can live out of that and grow out of that. And if you give up doing this regularly and regularly coming, or if you're going to be sporadic about it, don't be surprised if you're feeding the wrong dog in your life and being taken over kind of deal. That was a mixture of a lot of different things right there. But um, Anyway, that's good. What, what else? God before us, who can be against us. If we look at Christ, that's the extent that he's for us. He's, he's, he's done everything. Mm-hmm. He's fulfilled everything. There shouldn't be anything that I should be afraid of. There shouldn't be anything in this world that I should need more than what he's already given me. Mm-hmm. Uh, given me a new name, an identity, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that drives
2: every part of you know of what I should be yeah
0: <clears throat> you know a, a, a lot of times I'll, I'll be talking to somebody and maybe they're experiencing something in life in life that's you know terribly hard. maybe it's uh, loss of a loved one or sickness or something like that that they see their children going through something very very difficult to deal with, and they're not ready explanations uh, for everything about why is there so much brokenness and pain and misery in my life, and why am I experiencing this right now, and, um, you know, sure, we could could throw out the Romans 8, you know, uh, God uses all things for good, um, which is... Is partic- can sometimes be particularly painful to somebody who's really suffering to throw that at them. Um, but I do think one thing we can say is, you know, I don't know what, why these things are happening to you or to your family or, <clears throat> or to your loved ones or whatever, um, but, um, but I can guarantee that there is someone who understands what it is to feel like that um, because Jesus has experienced it all for us. He became vulnerable so that he really could experience these things, um, and he is closer to you than you think in your misery and your pain and your suffering because he is the God who came to suffer and laid aside his immunity to pain. Um, all right, I think we got to keep this thing moving. So, um, so let, let's move on a little bit, um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about verse fourteen here, um, some more where it talks about we kind of dealt with the first part and the word became flesh and it says dwelt among us um, was that the translation you did verse 14 say he dwelt among us or okay. made his dwelling I it ESV. Yeah. in the ESV it says dwelt does anybody else have a different translation that says something else no I don't
4: know I should it says made his dwelling Make the
2: okay
0: well, I, I should have looked up all of the different possible translations before I came in here, but um, but it, it's actually a noun there, that word dwelling or dwelt. Um, it's a noun, and it's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, um, but John turns it into a verb here. Um, and that's why there can be some different, made his dwelling, dwelt among us, it's whatever. But the word in the Old Testament that it's it's using is this word tabernacle. That's the noun, and so as a verb, to be quite literal with the translation, this verse would say, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, um, and so which is not very common, you know, language, I guess, um, in everyday use. And so, which is why it gets translated in different ways. But, um, so, talk to me about drawing some of your Old Testament Bible knowledge. What what was the tabernacle?
2: People went to meet with God. Okay, people went to meet with God, right? God okay. can't meet with them, but they had to go there.
0: Mm-hmm. It was a place of, of worship. Right, um, what what kinds of things um, made the tabernacle unique for Israel? You, you know, let me just back up and say this: the tabernacle is not the same as the temple.
1: Right? It's the precursor for the temple it's the tent. It's the tent. It's the tent that will be rolled up and carried yep. by the priests, and but it still had you know inner and outer areas and yes, more ornate. And so it still traveled with them, but it wasn't, but it was still separated from them, right? right? So so you still only have Aaron's descendants who are really functionally allowed to be intimately involved with that structure, if you will, whereas everybody else was an outsider coming in and needed the assistance of Aaron's offspring to, to really go into and partake. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. There were very specific rules and regulations about how when they packed up and they moved, how it had to be packed up, how it had to be moved, who had to move. When they broke those regulations, literally people died. Um, so it was it was it was one of those things that you could see, but you really couldn't touch. Kind of like the White House for us, right? Like we can see it. It's we know it's there for us, sort of. Slam politically, I guess, but but you really don't have access, right? We call it our house, Mm -hmm. but you can't really just walk up there and have a conversation with somebody, yeah. And and uh, and it was very similar. And what what so what I
0: like that a lot, what is the so what makes the White House special? Well,
1: it's a symbol of our freedom, it's a symbol of Mm -hmm. our country, our founding, you know, it's it's what. It's how we identify, or how maybe even a better way to say it. it's how the world identifies we're different than they are, mm-hmm. and we take pride in that in most cases. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, I, I guess where I was thinking was the presence, of somebody. Exactly. The presence yes. of somebody, right? The presence, and that's why the temple or the tabernacle was so yeah. special, too. So, um, sh- all right, let's let somebody else do some work because Sean's done a lot of work for us on this point. Um, but Okay, Sean said, okay, there were all these rules and regulations about how to, pick, how to pick up the tent and move it and all those kind of things. And there's stories of people who, they're carrying the ark uh, that was in the tabernacle and it started to fall and somebody reaches out to touch it. Bam, they're dead. it's um, Holy stuff. Be very careful. Now, how did it so they got all these rules about how to move it. How did they know when to move it? How how did God tell them? Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. good. No, it's yeah. good. I, mean, I think He did tell them, um, but in a very physical way He told them. Right? He would, He appeared to them as a cloud of smoke during the day and as a fire at night. And so, whenever that cloud picked up and moved, they were to pick up and move and follow that cloud or that pillar of fire or whatever, because that's what made that. A special place was the presence of God, right? Um, that was his house. Um, and, you know, so yes, they're encountering the holiness of God about this. People were, if, if they touched the ark, if they did things they weren't supposed to be. They got zapped by fire, um, they, they died. But there was also something else special that happened at the tabernacle, um, and that is that this is where people went um, to offer sacrifice. Um, right, so yes, God is holy, but you could actually come near Him if you had a sacrifice of blood uh, with you to cover you, um, to make you right. Um, and it, it was, you know, I, I've talked about this in other places, but I mean, the sacr, it was a very physical thing, like the sacrificial system, and I'm not going to get into any detail, but. You felt it. You smelled it. You saw it burning. You saw it bleeding. Um, it, was, it was very graphic. Uh, and so here's what John's doing. He's taking this loaded word from the Old Testament that talks about God's <clears> holiness, <throat> but also His grace and His presence and all this kind of stuff. And he's using it to point to Jesus to say, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything in the tabernacle. About, right. Um, but what does anybody know the word typology? Does that ring a bell for anybody?
2: Um, is, yeah. is that is that where, like in the Old Testament, there's a particular view of something, but it's revealed further in the New Testament? Yeah. There, there's clarity in the New Testament. Yeah. Right. That's what the Old Testament um, was trying to say. Yeah. So the,
0: the way theologians talk about it is the Old Testament is. Uh, it, it would talk about in the Old Testament there are types. And in the New Testament there are antitypes. types. Um, basically the fulfillment. The anti kind of throws people off sometimes. But here's a type. Uh, a type would be Jonah being in the belly of a fish for three days and then coming back to life. The anti type would be Jesus being buried in a cave for three days and coming back to life. Right. So it would be a fulfillment. Or maybe another way to think about it is foreshadowing. That um, there's some foreshadowing that's going on. And even the book of Hebrews uses that language about how all these things in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, the temple, and all that kind of stuff, they were shadows of things that were yet to come, right? Um, so does anybody have a good illustration of foreshadowing? I'm trying to e- explain this. I think you're, you're getting it, but uh, anybody?
3: Abraham believed in God and God reckoned it to him with righteousness.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's believing in the promise of Jesus yet to come. And we look back on Jesus that was the <coughs> final of that promise. Um, God granted him the righteousness of Christ, although he didn't know it. That's right, that's right, that's right. Um, so, so um, let's, let's talk about this. When... When John, we've got to apply this. We've got 15 minutes, um, and I've got to get other places. But what did, when John says that Jesus tabernacled among us, let, let's apply that just like we were trying to apply the vulnerability of God. What does it mean to us that Jesus came and tabernacled among us? Here's access Good. Yeah, absolutely. Gave us access to him. I mean, a big deal in the Gospels, right, is that when Jesus died, that curtain that uh, Sean was telling us about that separated people off from the Holy of Holies, it was torn from top to bottom. Uh, so now anybody could come in to the presence of God. Sure.
3: I did a with it did away with the priesthood.
0: We should we should have just done Hebrews uh, this morning, right? Um, yeah, that's what Hebrews is about, right? It's about we don't have that priesthood anymore because we have one great high priest in Jesus, um, and his sacrifice. The priests of the Old Testament they had to do their sacrifices all the time; it's always being repeated. But Hebrews is making this point: Jesus came, and he was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Um, it's huge. It's
3: in the whole apple authority, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Paschal mass, mass. Mm-hmm. The it, Paschal mass—it's a the Catholic's mass is mm-hmm. the ongoing sacrifice. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And you have to go to the priest too because they have to conduct the mass. Right. So yeah. You're I back in the Old Testament.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a
0: big point of diversion between Protestants and Catholics for sure and um, their understanding of communion. Uh, you know, let me hit just a couple more things so I can get to a kind of a, a final thing I want to say about this. Um, but, you know, this, this means that we can have... What we long for in this life is for the presence of God. And this is saying you can have the presence of God in Jesus, right? The central place of worship, uh, right? The gathering place of God's people Is no longer going to be in a tabernacle or a temple, but it is going to be in the person of Jesus, is what the Bible is saying. Um, So it's not a tent in the wilderness, it's the person and
2: work of Jesus.
0: Um, You know, I, I would also say, you know, what this gives us is really an assurance of God's grace, His love, and His forgiveness that's tied directly to His vulnerability, right? He came and He did these things for us. Um, And we are assured of his love for us because in Jesus, we saw not only the holiness of God exercised, but also his grace exercised at the cross, right? He didn't sweep your sins under the rug. He punished all of your sins, past, present, and future in Jesus um, so that he could accept you by his grace and through his sacrifice. Um, Okay, let me get to something else here. Um, Okay, Kind of jump back up to verse one of John chapter one. Um, and we think about, I, I was, you know, we were just thinking about this tabernacle that makes us think of the Old Testament. There are some words uh, throughout this passage that make us think about the Old Testament. Uh, in the beginning, what does that make us think of? Genesis. Genesis. Genesis one, right? Um, do you see, let's see if we have time to this, but. Are, what other illusions do you see in the verses that we read this morning uh, to the creation story in Genesis? Because I think there are several.
1: Christ, Christ was the creator, right? It, yeah. In the beginning was the Word, was God. Was God, and then in Genesis one, it's all about, and God spoke, and you know, it was the, the Word that led to the creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it says right here, all things were made through Him.
0: He was the creator. Right? What else do you see in here?
2: Separating light and darkness.
0: Yeah, good. Verse five, light shining in the darkness. Verse nine, true light is coming into you know, the world. let play on that whole thing of light and darkness in Genesis. Um, anything else that jumps out at you? Verse 10, you know, the world was made through him. Um, there, there's a number of them in this passage. And, and I, w- I want to ask this question.
2: Why does God want
0: us thinking about creation at the beginning of his gospel about Jesus? Does that
2: question make sense? Because
0: the Creator is the man that's coming to earth. Okay, yeah. Creator is the man coming to the earth. He is. He is God himself, and he wants to be very clear about that. Yeah. What think, else? Uh,
2: the preeminence of Jesus, his authority. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all things absolutely. Because to, to downplay that any would put his role in question. Mm-hmm. His authority is ultimate. His authority is ultimate,
0: which is, of course, directly tied to what Jaden just said. <clears> that he's saying this is none other than God himself that's coming in the world. None other than the creator himself. Um, let, let me just... Uh, help us here by um, saying one of the things that I think is particularly important for John is that I think John wants us to think about creation because he's getting ready to tell this story about Jesus, his his person, his life, his work accomplished for us because I think what John really wants us to see is he, he wants us to see that, that yes, Jesus made everything and he came to remake everything. Um, that was the purpose of His coming. He came to remake the world, to redeem and recreate His fallen creation. Um, I mean, all of us would say, and we've said a number of things this morning, especially when we first started talking we were asking those questions, what is authenticity and transparency and vulnerability? There's a lot of pain that we experience in this life, right? And we know deep down inside of us that we are not made to experience such a brokenness, um, and such pain, and sorrow, and misery. We weren't made for a world of violence and loneliness and hurt and sorrow and all kinds of things. Um, and so Jesus, John is telling us, Jesus came to undo all of that. He came to remake his world the way it was meant to be. Um, verses 12 through 13. 13, right? But to all who did receive him and believed in his name and gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, or or the will of man, but of God, right? He came to bring new life to his children. Uh, They were, as Paul would say to the Ephesians, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Jesus came to make us alive again. Um, So, um, let me see what else I want to get. To here at this uh, this point,
2: uh,
0: yeah, okay. Let's just you know back to the cross, right? Um, this when you look at the cross, we finally get to that point. Um, there's a I'm forgetting his name now, uh, William Lane. He's a New Testament scholar and he's got this great definition of a gospel where he says that the gospel is every gospel is a passion story with a long introduction Um, that's what a gospel is because you see in every gospel you look at the passion that week of Jesus being led to the cross it dominates um, in breadth the storytelling right it's Eight chapters long, whereas everything else is his 33 years of life before that, right? So it's this is relatively brief introduction, long story of what he came to do. And all the Gospel writers are really saying to us that when Jesus was on the cross, the Creator was being unmade in order to remake the heavens and the earth and his people. Um, and you see it very vividly displayed, right? Because when Jesus died, darkness covered the whole earth. Right. It went back to the dark, chaotic period of creation. and Rocks were crumb- crumbling and earth was splitting and all that kind of stuff. It was creation itself. Their creator was becoming undone in order to remake his world. Um, okay, we've got to get on to the last little thing I want to mention this morning. Um, you know, it, Here's what I would say. I would say at, at Grace Community Church, hopefully you've heard some version of this. At some point and it's that if you can get the good news of the gospel into your heart um, it will begin to change you um, that good news that you are seen as you are and loved as you are you can really transform and change you um, so um, here's one, one way I think this really ought to be changing us uh, is it needs to be changing us in the way we move towards one another in authenticity and vulnerability and transparency. Uh, you know, uh, I was thinking this morning about how Paul wrote to the Galatians. Um, I mean, you don't have to turn there. I'll turn there for us. Um, but in Galatians chapter 2, he was really upset because when he got to uh to Galatia, and he saw that um, some of the disciples they stopped eating with um, the Gentiles when, when certain people came who were Jews, and they withdrew and they they set up a wall and a barrier. And what Paul said to them was, he said um, that he saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel; that it was not in line with the truth of the gospel or the trajectory of the gospel. So the trajectory of the gospel. Um, and I'm talking really fast uh, but if the trajectory of the gospel is God becoming man and becoming vulnerable for us and becoming transparent and disclosing his love for us in this vulnerable way then that ought to be the way that we're living with one another and walls ought to come down um, Ephesians chapter 2 is another great place that talks about this that the dividing wall of hostility this barrier is to come down because of Jesus um, What we want at Grace Community Church is a church that so believes this and is so changed by this that we begin to reflect the very community that we're in. Uh, Whether that be a diversity of race or economics or political life, those lines and those barrier walls are meant to come down around Jesus. Um, We ought to be moving towards one another in vulnerability and authenticity. Um, So let me give you uh, four little pieces of application, and then we're going to be done, and I'll pray for us. Sorry we didn't have more time to do discussion on this last part. But um, the first is this. Um, You can't just try harder to be more vulnerable and transparent. Um, That's not how it works. Um, I've been around a lot of people who try really hard to prove how vulnerable and transparent they really are and it's not the same thing as vulnerability and transparency um, because what we instinctively do is we say look how transparent I am and we're really just spinning the truth we're, we're, I'll show you this part of how transparent I am they keep you away from asking me about this other stuff I don't want to know don't want to share about you what I, what I'm saying is if you try hard to do this you're not going to do a very good job of this it, it needs to happen organically in our lives. Um, And so, we need to feed the dog. We need to feed the spirit, right? Um, That's what ends up creating vulnerability and transparency. The second thing I would say is we need to be honest about our brokenness. Um, Be very honest. Uh, You know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about the need to be rigorously honest with yourself. Um, That you have to take a hard look at who you really are and face the depths Of your brokenness. And the truth is, we don't like doing that. Um, None of us really likes doing that. It's scary. It's painful to see how broken we are. But until we're honest with ourselves, um, we're not really going to understand the depth of the good news of the gospel. Because to understand the depth of the good news, you've got to understand the depth of the bad news. Um, Third thing um, is we need to be very careful, um, I think, about saying that we can't change. Um, I hear Christians talk like this all the time. Oh, that's just me. I'm just a sinner. I'm just whatever. This is just who I am. And I'll never change. And we kind of despair about those things. The good news of the Gospel says, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are or what you've done or any of that kind of stuff. No matter who you are, you can change because Jesus came into the world to remake His creation, to recreate His his creation. Um, the last thing I, I want to say is that we have to think um, not only about Jesus' dwelling, um, but our dwelling. Um, because not only was Jesus' ministry incarnational, um, Marty gave us a good word this morning, which we probably should have spent some more time on, but um, all real ministry that we do in this life is incarnational. Uh, it has to be a moving towards and being with people and along people with people in their misery and their sin and their brokenness. Um, we can't, you know, we can't just be a people who talks about we love our community um, and it just be lip service. Um, that's not going to change our community. Uh, it's being incarnational with our community. Uh, God gave you the job He gave you. He put you in the neighborhood He put you in. He gave you the friends He gave you in so that you could do incarnational ministry in those places like He did for us. Any thoughts, questions? we <coughs> yeah, got two minutes. Yeah, i got to get ready for sermon. No thoughts, questions?
2: Everything has been considered. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, right. Um,
0: well, it's, it, it's just good to know that I am perfectly clear all the time. Um, uh, kidding, of course. So confusing, no one knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me pray for us. And we'll get out. Of here. Father, thank you for this morning. how uh, we thank you for um, thank you for John's gospel. Thank you for that. You decided by. And, and guided him by the inspiration of your spirit to put these things down for us. Uh, we've barely even scratched the surface of John chapter 1. There is such amazing depth there. And a- as we look at it, we are just astounded and should be astounded by your love for us uh, and uh, amazed that you became so vulnerable. Um, to give us your Son, who of course was vulnerable uh, by taking on flesh. It became killable for us. Um, we thank you for not leaving us in the dark, but for uh, revealing yourself to us in the person and the work of Jesus and your Word. And we pray that the good news of the gospel, as we, uh, even as we realize the bad news of our hearts, um, that we, we begin to realize the depth of the good news. We pray that it would change us uh, deeply uh, and move us out in all our relationships with vulnerability and transparency, knowing that we can really risk the pain of doing that because Jesus uh, risked it all for us, uh, and in Him we have life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you guys.